It's not regulatory systems. It's not that the products work. It's inertia that these big companies, health plans, health insurers aren't doing the work because it's hard to put in new frameworks. That has to come from the top. Patients more than ever before across every area you can imagine where digital therapeutics help, mental health, behavioral health, psychiatry, neurology, physical, motor function, patients more than ever before are looking for more and better options. They can't stand that the only options they have are drugs or expensive surgeries. Welcome to the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Borohovich. I thoroughly enjoy bringing you discussions with incredible industry leaders in every episode, and it would mean a lot to me if you could rate the podcast in your favorite player and hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. In the previous special episode, I spoke with Megan Coder, Chief Policy Officer for the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. The DTA just concluded its first ever summit in Washington, D.C. They released a new definition of DTX, a new evaluation toolkit, and in partnership with Healthware, a new DTX European policy report. Scroll up in your favorite player to give that episode a quick listen. Today, I speak with Eddie Martucci, co-founder and CEO of Achille. In their own words, Achille Interactive is a leading digital therapeutics company combining scientific and clinical rigor with ingenuity of the tech industry to reinvent medicine. But before we dive in, I hosted Eddie in season one of this podcast. It was March of 2021 to be a little bit more exact. A lot has transpired since then, both at Achille and the overarching digital therapeutics industry. So it was time to bring Eddie back for his raw and no BS conversation. Stay tuned for his advice to health plan executives towards the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Eddie. Eddie, welcome back to the DTX podcast. Good to see you back after two years already here. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I can't believe it's two years. I thought it could have been like two months. <laughs> it's crazy. Actually, it was February 2021, so technically even longer than that. But for those who are just tuning in for the first time and don't know Eddie Martucci, please tell us who you are, a little bit of your background. And what I started asking since you and I spoke first is one interesting fact about yourself. So Eddie Martucci is the name, founder and CEO of Achille, which is obviously one of the early digital medicine, digital therapeutic companies. My background is interesting. It's not digital. It's not neurological. I actually have a PhD in biochemistry and biophysics from Yale, did more traditional drug design and drug discovery. But then my, my real business training was I came out of my PhD and into a group called Pure Tech Health, which a lot of people know in Boston, learned how to start companies, started a couple companies, um, which are some are doing well, some died, and then started Achille. And that was the last one I started because it was just too cool to let go. So I started growing that, spun it out, and have been growing it ever since. Fun fact about me. Well, a lot of people don't know, but people who are in my personal life know probably my favorite thing to do in the world. I like to play sports. I love to be around sports, but I actually love to coach little kids. Like I have three boys myself, um, but I have coached most of the sports you can think of and being out on a field with like a bunch of little six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year olds running around and helping them feel empowered. And I'll celebrate more for an eight year old scoring a touchdown in flag football the first time than anything I've done in my life. So that's something I really love. And it's also the future talent across the board, right? So great to see uh, those kids grow up. 
obviously we'll link the episode from February 2021 to the show notes here, which goes a lot deeper, I think, into kind of the genesis of the business. But for those that are just tuning in again, Achilles, the company, give us kind of a couple of sentences and then maybe just take us through the experience of Endeavor RX. You know, what is it just as a reminder to the listeners? So Achilles was formed over a decade ago now, and the the mission and the vision was bringing treatments that are just as validated as any other type of medicine, specifically for the brain, for psychiatric and neurological conditions, but that are delivered entirely through software. So now that doesn't sound so wild because there's a whole industry, but when we did it, there was not an industry. And what we're even in the industry now where there's dozens and dozens of digital therapy or software as medicine companies, what differentiates us is a couple things. We decided early on that we were going to, instead of doing things like behavioral therapy or human practices, that we wanted to make real medicine that actually changed physiology. So, you know, fixing something at the source. And so our our patents and our algorithms by using our product directly stimulate neural networks and, and improve function over time, which is awesome, even without teaching you how to manage your disease at all. And then, of course, our claim to fame is that our products are all delivered as action, high quality video games. So Endeavor RX, as you mentioned, that's the first product out of the platform. It is a platform technology. And so this, this set of algorithms are embedded into different game interfaces. Endeavor RX is the first one that was approved by the FDA a couple of years ago to treat children 8 to 12 with ADHD, really targeting their attention functioning. And the way it works is that it's this incredibly powerful set of algorithms that we licensed from UCSF, that when you use them, it forces your brain to essentially multitask at a very high level. And so it's personalized, it, it reads and assesses your cognitive ability, and it then forces you to multitask, which improves things like attention and improves symptoms in areas like ADHD. And it seems to work well beyond ADHD because it's really focusing on cognitive function and attention, right? That system in the brain. So we've now tested it across a range of diseases and we have a whole portfolio of products coming behind it. So as we mentioned earlier, right, we, you and I spoke in February 2021, so over two years have transpired, which is on one side, that's a very short time. It seems like yesterday. On the other side, that's a long time has passed. So we're going to get to kind of a lot of the current stuff that's happening uh, at Achille, but maybe just lightning fast, take us through the last two and a half years, kind of key milestones or key components of what happened. Ton has happened. I was thinking back and I'm like, I can't believe all this happened in the last two years. So we started testing our initial distribution program and commercial platform for Endeavor RX, right? For scaling this to children. For people that don't know, my mission and goal has always been, I want these products integrated into mainstream medicine, right? So any patient that needs it, any doctor that treats medical condition, in this case, ADHD. So we started building a commercial infrastructure to do that. And we probably adapted and canned and revved it like three times in the last two years. So it is now doing quite well. We get prescriptions in every state in the US, I think have crossed 10 or 11,000 prescriptions now. And so this is beyond the early adopter set. This is now growing month over month, which is amazing to watch. We also, I mentioned that this is a platform. We published a couple really key randomized controlled trials in big top tier medical journals. So one showing that the same technology can improve cognitive functioning in adults with MS. That was published in the Journal of MS. And then the big one last year was in depression. So showing that the same technology can 
treat cognitive dysfunction and depression. And that published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, won a couple innovation awards. So in my kind of goal over the last decade of show you can develop a real medicine, show you can run clinical trials, show the FDA can approve it, show it can be prescribed, and then show that this is actually a platform for more diseases. That last thing we hit, um, which is pretty exciting. We went public last year, <laughs> so we became private company to a public company. So we're listed on the NASDAQ now, um, AKLI. And obviously what a crazy time to go public because we're in the middle of a massive economic variability and recession. So but that was great. We we got raised a lot of money. And so we now have uh, control over our own destiny, which is awesome. We've had a couple kind of consolidations of our team, right? Trying to pull spend back as you should in this market. And then I'm sure we'll talk about it. But we just, and the thing I'm most excited about is we just now released our second product, which is for adults with attention issues. And that's available without a prescription. So pretty exciting evolution in just two years. And I'm happy to talk all about that. We'll dive deeper into... I think most of those. But the first question I'm going to put you on the spot, given the market dynamics, given the level of transparency being public brings, and still, I would say only in the last few years, commercializing, right? So as you're sort of scaling, that brings lots of questions in the public markets. And I'm going to take a deep breath and ask this question. Do you regret going public? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. For a couple of reasons. I viewed going public. And I have viewed every financing at Achille as exactly that, a financing to grow a mission. This was not meant to be a liquidity event, right? We are trying to grow a business that impacts millions of people. So I actually don't even really celebrate financings for more than a day or two. So we celebrated going public, but it was all about getting money so that we could grow an amazing company and help millions of people. So we did that. And the real like the kind of secondary or follow on reason that's related to that, why I don't regret it is we're in an environment right now where getting money is extremely difficult, as we know, as entrepreneurs, right? You and I have talked about this privately, like getting money for any company is really tough. It's just as hard, maybe harder on the private markets. And so the fact that we have cash into 2025 and we can keep growing this business that's all I really care about right now. So I'm extremely glad that we were able to get that deal done. It comes with some pros and cons being a public company, but um, it's awesome to have capital to now keep executing on the vision. Yeah. And that actually kind of goes into my next question around, you know, running a publicly traded company versus a privately held company is very different, especially when it comes to, you know, just leadership principles, the level of transparency, the team sizings. I know you guys had to make some hard decisions just relatively recently. Let's kind of dive into that. How is it different? Do you feel the difference? Does your talent feel the difference? Yeah. Anyone who tells you there's no difference is lying. There's obviously a difference. The scrutiny as an executive, the scrutiny is higher than it's ever been. You have to make decisions in front of the world instead of, you know, just in the protection of your company where, you know, you can make changes, you can make big strategic decisions and then prove them out before you tell the world. You kind of have to tell the world like as you're making big decisions of the business. So for instance, when you decide to do a restructuring or a layoff, when you decide to have a strategic pivot, those things are public. There's more scrutiny. There's a little more pressure. And there's definitely just stuff you have to do to be a public company that can be distracting or take time, right? It takes your focus a little bit away from running the business and serving patients. But as long as you go into it with your eyes wide open, 
you can minimize that. So fortunately, I was able to be part of Pure Tech Health when they went public on the London Stock Exchange. A number of my exec team has been at public companies before, so we kind of know what the deal is. I think the leadership feels it, and really every employee feels it. The biggest thing I've realized now running a company, right? This is the first time I'm a CEO of a public company, is the kind of sentiment and the action of your stock on the market, for lack of a better term, is really discoordinated from what's actually happening at the business, right? You can have an amazing day or month and the stock can look like the business is failing and you can have a couple of really bad newses that you get internally and you're having a struggling week or month and the stock could do awesome because you know something in the public market thinks it's great. So I think the thing that we've had to put extra attention on, and this is good in any business, but it's just really important in a public business. We've put extra attention on letting people know how we're doing by how I view success, right? And how my leadership team view success. So we have twice monthly meetings where we're as transparent as we can be about our goals, about progress to goals, what's going well, what's not. You have to overwhelm the kind of public sentiment that's out there with investors that don't really know what's happening day to day at your business to keep your employees understanding exactly how it's going day to day. So that took a little bit to get used to, but I do think it's generally manageable. And honestly, the the good news is when you get to celebrate something, a bigger part of the world knows it. And that's really cool for employees. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Eddie Martucci, co-founder and CEO of Achille. Let's get to kind of the latest and greatest news. Let's start talking about your OTC product and how this all came about. The short story is after a couple of years now of building all the infrastructure to grow one of the first prescription products, the only prescription video game product in the world, we recently, about a month ago, got incredible data in adults with ADHD. We ran a pivotal trial, large scale, 250 patients approximately, and the results were astounding. The cognitive attention focus results even blew away the results we see in kids. And in six weeks of treatment, we saw quality of life improve in the vast majority of individuals just with our treatment, which is pretty mind-blowing. You usually don't get that from a single treatment. So that combined with the adult market dynamic, which right now is in this weird state of flux. You have more adults than ever getting diagnosed and seeking treatment for ADHD. It's like a very well-known phenomenon in society. It's been reported everywhere. You also have a worldwide drug shortage for standard of care for ADHD. And we actually talked to the market, right? As we got these data, we talked to the market and asked patients directly how they prefer to manage their ADHD. And the overwhelming response is, unlike children, they do not want to wait to talk to their own PCP. Many adults don't even have a PCP. And so having a prescription product can potentially be a blocker for them. So instead of just immediately diving into a prescription product, we decided to take this moment to test first. You know, we like to do first at Achille. And so a lot of people in DTX industry have done pure wellness products. Us and a few other companies have done prescription products. No one has really explored an OTC product, meaning FDA-regulated disease claims, but available without a prescription as an over-the-counter. You know, think Claritin OTC or Prilosec OTC. And so that's exactly what we did. So while we're preparing our FDA submission, which should go in imminently, which we're very excited about, there's this health emergency that still exists and clearly is a massive emergency for adults with ADHD. 
And so we're testing an OTC product. So basically today, people can go to www.endeavorotc.com and there's a link right to the App Store if you have an Apple device and can purchase subscriptions. You know, if they self-attest that they have attention problems, they have ADHD, they're looking to boost their attention and, you know, can be downloading and using the product same day. And so it's pretty amazing. This was only, geez, at this point, it was like, I think June 7th or 8th. So at the time we're recording this, it was like, you know, about two weeks. And the response we've seen has been incredible, really overwhelming. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited that people can kind of take healthcare in their own hands in this case. And so we're going to measure, you know, how well this works and does it serve patients better than an RX model? And it'll help us make our regulatory decisions going forward. Personally, I'm excited because I, I know we kind of chatted offline that I said it jokingly, this is not a medical <laughs> advice here, that I think all of us have ADHD, just very different levels, just with cognitive overload, you know, hitting us all day long. So I'm excited for you guys, but most importantly for the individuals, consumers that can be self-helped in this case. Now, question for you though, because it seems like the young adult market is tougher, prescription is tougher. Why wasn't there this like aha moment to just go day one, you know, OTC for the larger population of adults? I think I don't, I actually don't know what the ratio of adults to children is in US specifically, but why go the tougher route to begin with? Yeah, no, you're right. It's much larger. So our current market for our prescription product in children today is about 2 million kids. We do have a under review application with the FDA for teenagers because we also invested in clinical trials there. That would add another 2 million. But the conservative numbers on adults is somewhere in the 10 to 12 million. I think it's probably more like 20 million between you and I. And all the listeners now. <laughs> <laughs> much bigger market. When we started the company, to answer your question, adult ADHD was not as recognized. If you think a decade back, like there was still a lot of stigma. The vast majority of adults with ADHD were not even showing up at all in the medical system, nor were they even searching it. In fact, if they thought about it, they were like, maybe I have ADHD. And then they'd immediately say, no, I'm not a 12-year-old boy. I don't have ADHD. That has changed over the last decade pretty dramatically. So when we started our clinical path on our FDA path, ADHD was widely recognized in children. And obviously it's a high need there to have a non-drug treatment in children is a very high need. And we thought that having an attention targeting treatment just made it resonated a lot and people would understand it. So what's changed is a, we're seeing good traction with the product and we're excited about that in kids and some teens off label. And obviously now everyone's talking about adult ADHD. And so the stigma has gone down significantly and there's more people than ever before searching. So it's almost like the patient need and the market just kind of developed since we started our path. That's one of the reasons we accelerated funding a large trial in adults because we saw this coming. And I'm just really psyched that you know people can go get Endeavor OTC now and we can start helping. Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my amazing partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the CEO of Health Excel, and as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hey, Eddie. How do you envision the balance of your new D2C product versus your prescription product in the future? Oh, it's a good question. I think I can't answer it straight because I don't have the answer because data will tell. So... The beautiful thing now is we make every decision at Achilles by data, right? Market data and product data and patient engagement data. 
And we now have a really good corpus of data for a prescription product that we've been growing. And we're now getting every single day data on the uptake and the use and the adherence and you know how it's resonating in the market with this adult product, this OTC product. So I actually think I've always said there's got to be an interview somewhere with me like eight, nine years ago where I said, I think in the future there will be for certain technologies and products, there's the potential for multiple paths to market, right? There's not a single golden path to market. I think it really depends on the patient demographic. And I think there's nothing, in fact, we've seen this in the pharmaceutical world. There's lots of examples where you have a prescription and an OTC product, right? For different use cases, different features, different dose in the case of pharmaceuticals. So I'm actually really excited that going forward, we might be a company that quickly figures out how to have both. And that would be awesome. And as usual, I'm going to hop in here and I actually want to dive maybe a little bit deeper. I know you mentioned earlier on the RX product, right? Specifically, because you mentioned earlier, your prescriptions are growing. Where do you see the actual adoption or distribution challenges? And just as an example, just from coverage alone, and this was, I think I've said this on the DTX podcast here, I've spoken to an executive at one of the big payers and you know they counted like 46 evaluation frameworks for uh, DTX. So your thoughts on, on how you see the challenges and is the coverage component key component of those challenges? It is the core component. It's the core challenge. So insurance coverage and insurers stepping up to cover approved safe digital therapeutics is one of the kind of core challenges of the industry. The good news is it's moving. The bad news is it's moving much slower than patients need, right? You're seeing you know, in the case of our products, I can speak to, but I know this is true kind of across the industry. You're seeing like a couple new coverages a quarter from influential payers or employers. That's not enough, right? We're talking now with Achilles products and with other companies, we're talking literally tens of millions of patients that should be getting access to these products. And what I think a lot of people don't talk about is you can look on the ground and you can see adoption challenges at the prescriber level, right? The provider, the doctor, or the you know therapist or whoever is prescribing these types of products, depending on the market. But a whole lot of that is actually also because of insurers. Insurers hold this power, which a lot of people don't talk about, that if they're not covering something, doctors don't even want to bring it up with their patients, even if it's very cheap. It's just a very binary question. Is it covered by insurance? And the vast majority of doctors go, ah, I think I'll wait to hear. So that's one of the big challenges. I think it's inevitable at this point because we're seeing enough coverage over time that these things are inevitable. People might forget, even in areas that are really serious medicine, that we would be shocked at something like cancer diagnostics. Those took five to seven years to get coverage once they came to market, which is absurd, but it's true. And so I think we'll see the same thing here. You know, I hope it's a little faster because these are super safe products with very low risk. But that's one of the big barriers. The other barrier is just awareness. And I think it's more like a macro factor here, which is in this economic environment, we all can't invest like we normally would for awareness, right? So general awareness, you know, we'd put a large Salesforce out or do large ad campaigns. And in a world where every company, ourselves included, is trying to really be prudent with spend, we've decided to take a much more targeted approach, you know, 20 to 25 sales reps, very targeted marketing. So what that means is all that 
stuff, all the awareness is growing, but it will take longer to get to saturation. So I think those are the two dynamics in the prescription market that really will unlock this for patients as the next year or two goes on. Maybe we can dive into, I know, I think last time we spoke or somewhere in between, uh, there was a either concept that was already live, Achilles Care, and obviously the distribution piece for the prescription, is that still up and running? Where is it at? What's the kind of the usage patterns there? If you can kind of dive a little deeper in there. Yeah, this is an area that's had a lot of evolution over time. So the, what you're referring to Achilles Care is something that is basically patient services surrounding the treatment. Now, we tested a couple different implementations of that and a couple different feature sets there. And where we've gone over time is that this is a little bit of human touch, right? So we do have an Achilles Care team and a, a call center and online and texting that people can ask questions and get help with their condition and their treatment. So that's really important. Think about that like real customer care, but from a healthcare angle. So management-based care, which is great. But actually where we've pivoted most of our effort there is in technology. So we actually now have a product called Endeavor RX Insight, which is a companion application to Endeavor RX, but it sits in the caregiver's hands, you know, whether that's parents or teachers or whoever wants to use it, it's free. And as long as you have a prescription for Endeavor RX, you can connect Endeavor RX Insight to it. And it's pretty amazing because it gives, you know, readouts on exactly how the child is doing on the product. It gives tips and information to help through the treatment. We do envision that being a platform that over time even gives care management tips and help, which is pretty awesome because I think it's another good example of you just need to test in the market what people want because everyone has hypotheses. Oh, they want a call center. They want humans. They want an online coaching, but you just have to test in your market. And what is very clear is that we see a lot of gravitation toward an app that they can quickly pull up and connect to their child. And we see in families using that app that the compliance and the outcomes are much higher in those families. So it's a really cool thing where the answer, again, was technology and another application. The other nice thing is that's the whole set of features that really are in the RX product that are not in the OTC product. So it's a pretty clear dividing line in terms of what you get in both offerings. So kind of following the same path of, you know, your Achilles care evolution and the human beings involved and the pair recent news, right, of the bankruptcy and many of the discussions of, well, is there such a thing as a purely standalone digital therapeutic versus kind of a more full care model? What are your thoughts on this around kind of taking a pill or digital pill versus a full care model? I do think that there's a market for both, and I think there will be companies that do both. Just like in the more evolved segments of healthcare, you have companies that make individual products, you make, have companies that make point solutions, you have companies that make multiple products, and then you have companies that actually provide care and care management. And in even traditional healthcare, some of those lines are blurring. So I think you'll see the same thing in digital treatments and digital medicine, where you'll have some companies that decide to make individual products and either sell them to other companies, you know, the pharma analogy or sell them direct. And then you'll have companies that decide to put care services around the wrapper. To me, it's always guided by what does your population want and what are you able to grow yourself as a business to get to where you want to go? Some markets will allow that and, and you'll be able to fund toward that. Some markets, you may have to partner up or sell the product into a company that can provide those types of services because that's what's economically viable. So I'm never a fan of binary, like 
is it going to be A or B? I think the truth is you'll see a whole mix of things. And in each market, one side of that will probably have a heavier distribution just based on the economics. So as usual, I asked the guests now what advice you would give to, and many give it to entrepreneurs as you've been kind of in the early stages. But I think given the fact that we talked about health plans and I would say lack of adoption of payments for these great technologies, maybe I'll ask you and put you in the spot to give advice to some health plan executives. That's a great question. I think it's actually very simple. What I have learned and what we've seen in this industry, and you know, I run a company, right? One of the more visible companies, but I'm also on the board of the Digital Therapeutic Alliance. So I see dozens of companies that all have great products or products that are soon to be great. What is holding these back from patients is just inertia. It's not regulatory systems. It's not that the products work. It's inertia that these big companies, health plans, health insurers aren't doing the work because it's hard to put in new frameworks. That has to come from the top. Patients more than ever before across every area you can imagine where digital therapeutics help, mental health, behavioral health, psychiatry, neurology, physical, motor function, patients more than ever before are looking for more and better options. They can't stand that the only options they have are drugs or expensive surgeries. We have a whole industry of products now that actually can move. You can't allow kind of junior level folks at health plans to not know how they're empowered to like put new policies in here. So for the execs, it's got to come from you. If you really want to help patients, if your mission, which you state on all your websites is to give patients access to new treatments, then it's got to come from you to say it is an imperative to make these new, very safe treatments available to patients. If you say that, your teams will follow and they'll put in frameworks to allow these products to get to patients. Love it. I think heard it here first. Well, we started with you, Eddie, though briefly. Let's actually end with you. What makes you get up in the morning? And again, I think I know the answer, but go for it. <laughs> you know me too well. It's always the impact you can have in patients' lives in the world, 100%. So what gets me excited is, you know, I check our dashboard every morning and to me, our dashboard is like, you know, how many prescriptions and now how many subscriptions to the OTC product. But what that means is that people in every state in the country are actually getting treatment that in our market for so long they have wanted and asked for. So I'm extremely proud of our team every day for doing the hard work in what is a tough moment in time to grow an innovative medicine product. But we know ourselves, you know, we know our products are changing people's lives. And I know this whole industry of products is. So again, it's inevitable, it's exciting. But when you know that on the other end of those numbers are patients who are like, not just getting better treatment for the first time, maybe in their medical lives, they're feeling empowered because they're using these new innovative products, they're putting in work, they're getting treatment. I don't know what's more motivating than that. Eddie, it was wonderful to have you back again, two and a half-ish years later. I'm sure we'll talk again soon, not just in this podcast, but elsewhere. Thank you for making the time. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, a production of mission-based media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Health or Health Excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. I'm Eugene Borohovich, and catch you next time.